You're listening to KSQD Santa Cruz at 90.7 FM. My name is Nick, and I am an intern at Your Futures Our Business, a Santa Cruz County nonprofit which helps students ages 10 to 18 explore careers and start their career journey. We provide career expos, panels, guest speakers, and more activities to help youth explore careers. Today, I'm here with my other host, Melina. Hello, everyone. Our show, What to Be, highlights the career journeys of inspirational people in Santa Cruz County. If you've ever thought, hmm, how do they get that job, or what is that job really like? then keep on listening. We would like to remind listeners that the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent those of Natural Bridges Media, your future is our business, or this career in its entirety. Disclaimer, comments and information provided during this show are not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please be advised that this week's episode might contain content that may be considered graphic or sensitive for young audiences. Today, we're joined by our guest, Kelly Olmsted, who is currently a licensed midwife. Can you tell us what your career entails? Yes. A licensed midwife in the state of California is somebody who takes care of pregnant women and helps them throughout their entire pregnancy, providing primary care, then attends them when they are in labor, and then attends the baby and the mother after the baby is born. Most midwives continue care through the six-week visit, and many midwives also provide primary women's health care for women from their teens on up. And what kind of skills and responsibilities do you have for this job? So a licensed midwife is the primary caregiver for the pregnant woman and her baby before and after the delivery. That means that I have responsibility to ensure that they are healthy and well and to seek additional assistance should a pregnancy or delivery become complicated. But their their health and well-being is is literally in the hands of a licensed midwife. And what kind of training do you have for this job? So there's a couple of different ways to become a midwife in the state of California. One route is called licensed midwifery, and that's the route that I chose. That's a direct entry route into midwifery, and all that means is that I did not go through a nursing program first. Mm-hmm. So you, I take entry, I, I go directly into the profession of midwifery, taking coursework and doing clinical work during my training that enables me to develop and build all of the skills of becoming a midwife who takes care of mothers and babies. The other route to nursing or to midwifery is to go first to become a registered nurse and then do advanced mm-hmm. work and you become a certified nurse midwife. So that that route is a little bit more... I don't want to say involved, but but a little bit because you're kind of taking a side route. You're first yeah. going into nursing and then you're going into direct primary care. Mm-hmm. And one benefit of that route, however, is that it affords you flexibility in the kinds of places that you can work yeah. because you could work as a right. labor and delivery nurse. You could work mm-hmm. as a, a certified nurse midwife in the hospital. You could work at a clinic as a, as a nurse, an obstetrical nurse or a midwife. And as a licensed midwife, I don't have those nursing options yeah. available as alternate types of careers to do. Okay. And how long is the training and what kind of classes do you take for this? So, so my training took about four years. I attended a school called National Midwifery Institute and that was that the school was responsible for all of the didactic pieces, all of the kind of book learning that you need to know, Mm -hmm. like what kinds of placentas, you know, are normal Mm -hmm. and what kinds are not, what are risk factors for women, how to, you know, read lab work, all of that kind of things. And then you also do what's called, at least in our community, a preceptorship. You find a preceptor and you do an apprenticeship 
where you are learning under, you're learning your clinical skills. So you're learning the hands-on, taking blood pressure, doing vaginal exams, assessing the size of the Mm -hmm. baby and the position of the baby and listening to fetal heart tones, delivering babies, suturing, stopping a hemorrhage, resuscitating Mm -hmm. a baby, all of the hands-on skills you're learning under an experienced midwife who's then reporting and stating that, yes, you have mastered these skills. And how did you get into this field? Well, it's interesting because I was an editor. I graduated with an English degree and um, wow. was wow. exactly, I know. Wow. <laughs> my joke is that I have the two professions that I have had in my life both deal with missed periods. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, yes. Um, so I was an editor for 15 years and then I we moved to Santa Cruz after I had my second baby. And, you know, home birth and midwifery is a big thing in Santa Cruz County. It was not in suburban Phoenix, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And so I always said, if I have another baby, I want to have this baby at home with midwives. And mm-hmm. so I did. And it really rocked my world how different the experience was of giving birth in a hospital with a straight with two straightforward labors and giving birth at home and being cared for by midwives. The midwives coming to you, not being strapped to machines, yeah. mm, being right. really hands-on supported. Mm. I felt that the way that they treated my baby was so much different. Like that was one of the big reasons that it was just so amazing to me. And there were other things too that they trusted me with. Like they trusted me to go weigh myself instead of have somebody weigh me and, and report. You know, they trusted me to mm. assess my own. Like when you do a, a urine dipstick. They trusted me to do that myself and to report. There's a swab that they do at the end of pregnancy. And even here in Santa Cruz, the the midwives that work in the hospital actually do this swab for you. It's a vaginal swab. You got to lay on your back and, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, and the midwives just said, here, take this into the bathroom. Here's what you do. Do it yourself. And it's like, oh, how empowering. And it's in your own privacy. Exactly. (laughs) You don't have to like, so there's so much more, I think, Control. Control and and respect for the woman as a person and the baby as a person as opposed to being patients. So Mm -hmm. you can say yes and no to whatever you want as long as it's not an outright emergency. Where in the Mm -hmm. hospitals, there's a lot of protocols. Everybody has to get on the monitors. Everybody, most everybody gets an IV. Most everybody, you know. And, you know, an interesting thing is I I just was at a birth yesterday of a first-time mom. And she looked over at me at the hardest, hardest part of labor and said, what would be happening if I were at the hospital? And I was like, you know, (laughs) it's like. Interesting question. Exactly. Well, it's like, well, this would be happening and this would be happening. And then she's like, okay. And then she settled herself back down like it's not going to be better there (laughs) and then she had her baby So it's in a more like relaxed environment. It's your own environment. Yeah, it's your whatever you want to do. It's a little like having an intimate picnic, you know, with with a partner versus being in like a busy shopping mall, you know, like where things are just not private and under your control and all of that. So if you think about any mammal that gives birth, they don't go into the middle of the sidewalk or, you know, (laughs) your cat goes and hides in the closet. And so being able to be in your own familiar space where you can just be comfortable I think is is really conducive to having a good experience in labor. Did other people that went through the same process, did they say the same thing that you kind of did? That how it was just better and like I think a lot of I think a lot of people do come that way. I think I'm interesting in that I had my first two babies in the hospital with an epidural, which is pain relief, you know, that yeah. makes it so that you can't walk and um and you're completely numb. You're completely Waste yeah, you're numb there. from yeah, you're <laughs> numb from your belly button down. And, and then I did it a completely different way. So yeah. I have a lot of, ex- you know, I know what it's like to give birth in the hospital. I yeah. know what it's like right. to give so birth at home. Sides. I've yeah. seen both sides. Yeah. And 
Over time, after I had that third baby, I just got so interested in pregnancy and birth. I was never, ever going to be a midwife. And I just got so interested that I decided to go to midwifery school. So I've been a midwife now for a little over nine years. Mm -hmm. And what would you say is the most difficult part of your job? The hours. Hour. Not even oh. the out, not even the hours, but the constantly being on call, oh. never being able to shut my phone off. Mm -hmm. Like people are like, "Oh, it'd be so great! You should go on that Chardonnay cruise." Like I can't go yeah, on the Chardonnay no. cruise because are they going to turn it around? Yeah, I'm on call twenty four hours yeah. a day. Wow. Yeah. So like right in this moment today, I'm not on birth call because there's nobody who's term schedule for this week right? well not even this week <laughs> but there's a five-week window oh. so you're on birth call for five weeks for everybody until they have their baby yeah and so she happened to give birth on her due date and i don't have anybody due until late june so i have a couple of weeks not on birth call but people can still call with any number of other things and what would you say is your most favorite part of the job seeing women be strong for sure. Yeah. Everybody thinks that midwives go into midwifery because of the babies. And of course, babies are cute. They are really <laughs> cute. But the baby is a very short part of what we do. And what I love is getting to know women and their own personal circumstances and helping pregnant people throughout the course of their pregnancy and then seeing them find their own power. And so, you know, women don't really know how strong they are until they until they give birth. And they're like, holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> For those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What To Be on KSQD at 90.7 FM Santa Cruz. I'm Melina, and I'm joined by other host, Nick. We're speaking with Kelly Olmsted, who is telling us about her career as a licensed midwife. We'd just like to remind listeners that the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent those of Natural Bridges Media, your future is our business, or this career in its entirety. Comments made in this segment and the information provided during the show are not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please be advised that this week's episode might contain content that may be considered graphic or sensitive for young audiences. So you're just telling us that you enjoy midwifery. One of the biggest reasons is getting to work with women and because it empowers women. And when you first heard about midwifery versus the actual job, what are the biggest discrepancies between those two? I think that people kind of have a tendency, people who know about midwives have a tendency to put midwives kind of on a pedestal of like, oh, there's, mm -hmm. you know, they're so amazing. And the reality is we're just people like everybody else. And we happen <laughs> to be inspired to, to be able to offer this kind of experience to women and we put up with the hard things of being on call and having rough hours and get, getting called out of bed at two in the mm. morning to be able to provide this experience for mm. women to give birth with minimal technological intervention. And then I have a kind of a scenario that I want to ask okay. you about. So say I am a pregnant woman mm -hmm. and I have no, like this is my first time giving birth. What would you tell me? Say I called you and I'm like, hey, I want a midwife. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Right. So you're talking about the early, like for a consultation. Yes. yes. So I would have you come in and I spend an hour with everybody who's interested. You don't need to even know that you want to have a home birth or want to have a midwife. I encourage everybody to explore their options because if you don't know anything about that option, yeah. how do you know whether it's the right yeah. one for you? I am not somebody who believes that every woman should give birth at home. What I am is a, a woman who mm -hmm. believes that everyone should be empowered to make the choice that's right for them. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what you see on television, in movies, that you read and what to expect when you're expecting is all very much driven by kind of this standard patriarchal idea of mm -hmm. you get pregnant, you go to a doctor, get told what to do, you do it, 
you go into a hospital, you come out with a baby, and that the process itself does not matter. Just as long that's as how baby I, comes out. Right? That's how I handled my first two pregnancies. I, mm -hmm. I exactly, I got pregnant. I went to the OB that was recommended to me. I read what to expect. She said it's time to induce. I was 39 weeks pregnant. In retrospect, there was zero reason for that to happen. And I just thought that labor was a way you go into a hospital and come out with a baby. And that's basically mm -hmm. what it was for me. The reality is it can be a very transformative experience. And mm -hmm. so I don't think that every woman needs that or wants that, but I think that it's worth exploring to see if that's something that would yeah. be a good fit for you. I'm about informed choice and informed refusal too. So it's it's really about you understanding, here's, here's the risks and benefits of this, here's the risks mm -hmm. and benefits of this. There's no risk-free way to have a baby. There's no risk-free way to have a pregnancy. You are taking on risk one way or the other. Yeah. So understanding fully what is your set of risks choosing this scenario versus what is your set of risks choosing this scenario, I think is significant. And mm -hmm. and different families are going to weigh those things differently. So it's not yeah. my job to tell you what to do. It's my job to give you as unbiased of information as I can so mm -hmm. that you can choose what's right for you. So in this scenario, I would come in and you would give me all the information that I would need and then I would make that decision, right? Yeah. Well, usually people come in with a list of questions <laughs> and yeah. sometimes people don't come in with a list of questions and then I will kind of yeah, guide kind of, them through a list of yeah. questions like what do we what do you do if there's an emergency yeah. what equipment do you carry okay. with you what things do you have at the hospital you know that whatever oh yeah so, yeah what kind of equipment do you have for your yeah job? so <laughs> I mean I have the same three <laughs> medications for postpartum hemorrhage that the hospital has I'm fast to use them because they're sitting right next to me yeah. as opposed to in the hospital like, they're out in another somewhere. thing yeah. exactly so I also have resuscitation equipment, oxygen, so that if a baby needs help getting yeah. started, we have all of that. I carry a Doppler. We listen to the baby regularly while it's while the you know still inside the mother. Blood pressure, temperature, pulse oximeter, all of those kinds of things. So the, one of the midwives who trained me said we carry the equivalent of a level one hospital delivery oh, suite wow. in our trunks. Yeah. So we come prepared. <laughs> For everything, yeah. and then most of the time we never use yeah. most of it, you know? So you're ready for it, for every potential thing that can happen. Many, if not most of those things can be resolved quite competently at home. And if not, we always have a transport plan in place to, to move things quickly. So we, we're not staying home. It's never a choice of home birth or like nothing. Only There's home no birth home or birth or bust. Hospital, yeah. and, and so, you know, my job is to maintain safety at home and to know when the warning signs are present that suggest that this would be a birth that it's better completed yeah. in the hospital. Is it just as safe as in the hospital? Yes. For low risk women. Yeah, so, yeah. not, you know, you don't want to have pre-existing hypertension, uh, pre-existing diabetes. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be undergoing cancer treatment. You don't right. want to have, you know, yeah. an out of control thyroid, yeah. things like that. But for your, for your healthy woman who's carrying a single baby, it is, it is as safe and in addition, one of the things that I feel like always gets overlooked, like for instance, my cesarean rate right now is somewhere under 3%. It's about 2.5% of the last like 260 babies that are in my statistics program. And what is cesarean? Cesarean is when the baby is born by being the woman being cut open abdominally. Okay. In the hospitals in Santa Cruz County, they do better than the national average, which is 33% currently. But they're still at about 29%. So you're so looking... 29% of women are giving in, birth... In Santa Cruz yeah, County yeah. are giving birth by cesarean section. Now, 
granted, they are also talking about higher risk babies like triplets and twins Mm -hmm. and people that have those conditions, Mm -hmm. but most women don't have those conditions. So regardless, the cesarean rate should not be 29% anywhere in the country except potentially at a place like you know, Stanford or somewhere that's dealing with the highest of high risk. And so from my perspective, the reason that I would tell a first time mom and why I would hope my daughters would consider planning a home birth is not the home birth itself. It's the reduction in cesarean section. So Mm -hmm. having a home birth is a wonderful, awesome thing for so many reasons, but it vastly decreases your risk of having a cesarean section because we're more patient, because we're not pressuring women to induce too soon. All of the things that contribute to a C-section rate that's higher. And so the other thing, too, is like, for instance, you know, when you're in transition at at, at the hospital, you know, that epidural sounds like a really good yeah. idea, yeah. you oh, know, because yeah. everybody yeah. gets to the place where they can't do it. And so when you say, well, let's get in the tub instead, and there is no epidural available, no you can get past, you can move past that. Yeah. And so but that's really hard to do in the hospital. In the hospital, yeah, because you have your, your option to go out. Your, yeah. your option is to is to tap out. And, and I also don't want to say that the epidural is a terrible thing because it's 100% not. It's just overused. And again, but that's a woman's choice, right? It's a woman's choice to use or not use pain medications to give birth. I have no judgment for that. I've had two epidurals myself. But I do know that it is much easier to avoid them when you're planning a home birth because you've got the support and it's not just immediately right there. Gotcha. Like, have you ever delivered a baby in a hospital before? Um, In the Dominican Republic, when I was in training, we did a clinical trip to a hospital in Bonnie in the Dominican Republic and spent two weeks there helping deliver babies under the guidance of their obstetricians. But other than that, I have not. Once I did, though, when the doctor wasn't getting there, the nurse and I delivered the baby. (laughs) Yeah. And then speaking of epidural and pain and all that, how do you get women through that pain? So, I mean, there's many things to do. So much of so much of labor is noticing the spaces in between. You know, if you're having contractions, you if you're having contractions that are four minutes apart and they're lasting for a minute, three quarters of the time you're not in any pain. That's true. So you it have a like minute of holy peak. cow, yeah. this really hurts, and then you have three <laughs> minutes. So if you can get a woman to rest and to be calm during those and to like not mm. think about the next one yeah. or how bad that yeah. last one was, if you can help her find those spaces, then she can maintain energy for the next one that's coming. In addition, you're talking them through it. You're offering them shower, position changes. Eventually, the birth tub is usually a great thing for most women. We try to save that till closer to the end so that they get that full relief, you know, like everybody does when they get in a hot tub. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Because the water um, will be cold by the time you... And just, and just you know, pe- women will say, I can't do it. And if you can look them in the eyes and say, but you are doing yeah. it... Then they, exactly. So, so much of it is just keeping them coming back to a place of calm during those hard times and then they get past it and then it's time to push. For those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What To Be at KSQD 90.7 FM Santa Cruz. Our show, What To Be, highlights the career journeys of inspirational people in Santa Cruz County. I'm Melina and I'm joined by other hosts, Nick. We're speaking with Kelly Olmsted, who is a licensed midwife, and we're learning about her career journey. We'd just like to remind listeners that the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent those of Natural Bridges Media, your features, or business, or this career in its entirety. Comments made in this segment and information provided during the show are not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please be advised that this week's episode might contain content that may be considered graphic or sensitive for young audiences. How many women are you responsible for at one time? Right. So every midwife chooses, 
kind of figures out for themselves what works best for their own mm-hmm. personal lives and for their clients. Um, there's no perfect way to to make that decision. What I do personally is I choose to have no more than three primary clients in a calendar month. So one of the things that differentiates us from hospital-based care, even with a midwife, is that you're not hiring me and a group of people, you're hiring me. So that's mm-hmm. why I'm on call all of the time. So it's like, I get to know you, Melina, through the entire course of your pregnancy. When you go into labor, you get a familiar face. Yeah. In the hospital, you get this doctor or the other eight that she works with, right? Somebody that you never, and sometimes if you have a long labor, you might see three different doctors over the course of your labor. I personally like the continuity of care. I think that affords really good outcomes because you already feel safe with me. Yeah. I already know Mm -hmm. so much about you. We've spent probably 13 hours over the course of your pregnancy at our prenatal visits Getting to know each other. I know your kids. I know your difficult mother-in-law. I know <laughs> your house. There's your house. That. I know. I know anything that could complicate or create issues. And so, even if a birth does become complicated, I know those things. Where if if we went into say the hospital, say because you have a really slow labor and it's complicated by some trauma from a car accident twenty years ago or whatever. I know about that. The doctor taking care of you doesn't know and probably doesn't care. And so I can facilitate and smooth and try to to make things happen in a way that's going to that afford you the you. best yeah. outcome for your personal right. circumstances. And so I personally believe that that continuity of care is is one of the most critical pieces that home birth midwives, licensed midwives offer to people which is why I try to keep it at no more than three clients in a calendar month. Every once in a while, like a repeat client will be like, hey, guess what? I'm 12 weeks pregnant. And you're like, great, now I'm going to have four. (laughs) Okay. And do you have any interesting stories or can you tell us about like the first time that you delivered a baby? The fr- oh, I you know I don't remember the first my first catch. That's really interesting that you ask, um, because I've been going to births for so long. Yeah, okay. I will say that the first the first time I saw a baby being born that wasn't my own, mm. I was really surprised at what the scalp looked like as it was coming out. Interesting. Yeah, it, because it, oftentimes the skin um, of the of the scalp kind of folds over a little bit on itself. Oh, it's all wrinkly, and I right? thought the baby didn't have any bones in its skull. Oh. You know? And I was like, wow, nobody else is panicking about this. But it lo- it did very much it didn't look normal. Yeah. And yeah. then the baby came out and of course yeah. had a completely normal skull. But I just didn't know that. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things with midwifery that unless you know, don't look normal. You know, okay. like Can I you remember. An well, I mean that's definitely <laughs> an example or I'm I can't think of specific other examples or particularly ones that would be non-graphic enough okay. to discuss. <laughs> but I remember early on one of the midwives who trained me said, Kelly, you've got to work on your game face. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. No matter what's really? going on in front of oh, you, no. act like you've seen it a million times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um and then, so going back to the scenario, so say I, I am one of your, do you call me a client or what do you? I call you a client. Okay. So say I call you and I'm like, I'm in a lot of pain. I'm pretty sure the baby's coming out. What would you tell me? <laughs> like coming out right now? <laughs> I think it's coming out soon. But again, it's my first time. So I would never know. Right. What would you? So we would have already talked about, you know, what labor tends to look like, what the variations okay. might be. In addition, at your home visit, which I do at 36 weeks, that's when you meet anybody else who would be coming to the delivery. Um, And we test out your map, make sure we can find you at three in the morning in the pouring foggy rain. (laughs) You know, the Santa Cruz has a lot of addresses that are not easy to find. Um, I hand out a, a... 
laminated handout that says what to do when the baby is coming faster than the midwife. And yeah, I hand it out um, to give, exactly, (laughs) so that the partner goes, okay. And it's basically get out of gravity, try to put something waterproof under her. (laughs) And if it's going this fast, it's going really well. You'll be on Mm -hmm. the phone with me. You can always call 911. You know, it's just kind of a very basic. Um, This year is the first time since I have started going to births in, I started midwifery school in 2006. And this year is the first time that a baby got born before a midwife didn't get there. Oh, wow. wow. It was a labor that was about 35 minutes for a first-time mom. That wow. Most moms push for twice that, wow. let alone. Yeah. I mean, least, it was yeah. – she started having contractions. Her water broke. The baby came. Yeah. And um, how many babies would you say you deliver in a year? Um, you know what? I haven't looked at that because it – my stats are whether I'm the midwife – how I – I haven't broken out the stats that way. Um, I also assist at other people's births. Okay. Does that make sense? So yeah. I know that I probably go to about 36 to 40 maybe in a in a calendar mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. And how often do you meet with these with pregnant, pregnant women? women? Yeah. yeah. So we follow the same course of care that you would if you just went to the local OB office. It's every month up until 28 weeks. And then it's every other week until 36 weeks. 36 weeks, unlike at the hospital-based practices, is your home visit. And then back to the office every week until you deliver. And then there can be additional things like, say, you know, I've had people come in for extra appointments because, like, their neighbor's dog jumped on them and they're, they want to listen oh. to the baby's heartbeat or, <laughs> you know, s- things like that where people are concerned about something and will, you know, depending mm-hmm. on what the circumstances, I'll either see them in the office or I'll meet them at the hospital. Okay. And what advice would you give to someone who's interested in pursuing midwifery? Um, The first thing I would say is um, to consider becoming a doula first. What What is a doula? A doula is a non-medical professional. So that takes, that helps women give birth. So she is usually a she, not always a she. The doula is somebody who has information and physical support and emotional support and can help with all of the comfort measures for a woman in labor. So pressing on their back when they're having back pain and helping them with position changes and looking them in the eye and say, you're doing great. It's, it's a really good way to learn about birth. It's a really good way to learn about how the hospital system works because most women who hire doulas are choosing hospital birth. Um, although doulas are very, very welcome at home as well. Um, and it allows you to get used to, can I be on call? Can I carry my phone with me literally everywhere? (laughs) <laughs> can I get up at two in the morning and be gone for 40 hours? You know, like you're, you can wow. be gone for a really long time. Um, so the the two births that I had earlier this year, I had the one that the baby was born a minute before I arrived. I, I got there in eight minutes, but the baby was born in seven. Wow. And the other one, I was there for 35 hours. 35 yeah. hours. I went home for a couple of hours to shower and take a quick nap. Yeah. It's a long time. It's a long time. So, I mean, that's kind of your range of variation of birth, both first-time moms, you know, who knows? Wow. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. You never know. Right. But being it, so back to that question, being a doula allows you to see, can you handle the variations of birth, the unpredictability, Mm -hmm. that kind of lifestyle, and then you can kind of decide, is this something that I want to go into? Before you jump right in. Yeah. Before, exactly. Because that requires much less training, and you're not responsible for any. You know, you're yeah. not responsible you're not for the health and well-being. Yeah, you're not right. Your, yeah. Okay. Uh, so the last question we have for you is, what is a thought or piece of advice you'd like to leave our listeners with? Okay. So I would say that the biggest thing is to explore options when you're pregnant. 
that isn't so much career advice, but <laughs> but advice as you know, as a midwife, and it's true of of any form of healthcare, whether you're a pregnant person looking for trying to decide how you want to deliver a particular baby, or whether you're looking at a surgery that you might or might not do, or anything, is to really understand what your options are, do research, go into things with an open mind and see like, does this something that makes sense? For me, I would say that's true of careers as well. Yeah. You know, whether yeah. you're talking about midwifery or anything yeah. else, you know, you don't know where you'll end up. And I think if you ask most people, you know, I'm 51. If you ask most people, I would say probably a lot of them started in a very different career than the one that they're at in their 50s. Mm-hmm. And Definitely. so, Definitely. you know, who knows? Be open. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you so much. And thank you to all of our KSQD listeners for tuning into today's career, career story with your host, Nick and Melina. On our show, What to Be, with today's guest, Kelly, who is a licensed midwife. Our show, What to Be, highlights the career journeys of inspirational people in Santa Cruz County. If you have any questions or would like to be on the show, please send us an email at whattobe at ksqd.org. If you enjoyed our show, please join us again at 90.7 FM, K-Squid Santa Cruz, at 7 p.m. on Sundays, or you can stream online at ksqd.org. Thank you for listening.